Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. Tonight is a special episode because there aren't any RAs on tonight, but instead we have some special guests and a special co-host to talk about RA and life at NYU, especially around faculty, fellows, and residents. Welcome, co-host. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to have you on tonight. Thanks so much, Tom. It's great to be back and doing this again. It really is. Yeah, so, you know, this is a, a three-part episode of um, Where Are You Now with our faculty and members, residents. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be in a building where there's no students and no RAs. You feel the lack, the gig that I signed up for and all the students signed up for and, and my fellow professionals in the building signed up for was to be together. And... I have the strangest experience sometimes just walking around the Founders Hall lobby and just kind of thinking about is almost seeing the bodies physically walk by me and the traffic and the uh the the noise and the the, the, the little conversations and the big conversations and the tables and the it's a building meant for the student community. Um so being here now I you know I have a lot of pride, a lot of, you know, some nostalgia, but also I I see the future and I, I see the bodies coming back. Well, I appreciate your uh, positivity and your energy, and I know that uh, students will be excited to have you uh, back again next year with them when they're here. Uh, we have some great guests tonight, so why don't we go right into our guest? Okay, Tom, I can't believe that we are here with our resident FFIR Olympian, Cameron Myler. <laughs> Great to be here with you guys. Yeah, well, Cameron, if you could just give us your building, where you are, and SFIR, how many years have you been doing it, and and uh, uh, your bio line for the rest of your professional life at NYU. Okay, I will start with the building first because it's one that I love. So, Gramercy, I'm on the 17th floor with my cute Chewini dog, Flash. And it is my third year as FFIR, which the time has flown because I love it. Uh, it was such an easy transition, and it has just been such an amazing uh, part of my experience at NYU. So so that's my building. And I am, I think I'm kind of on my third career uh, at NYU. So as you mentioned, Olympian, four-time Olympian in luge, fastest sport on ice. I carried the flag at the opening ceremonies. I won a bunch of medals. It was an awesome experience, and it really kind of launched the rest of my career. So the next one after that was law. I litigated intellectual property cases for about 10 years and also represented Olympic athletes in doping disputes. So did that for a decade, and then I got invited to speak on a panel uh, about women in sports at NYU, went out to dinner with the faculty, was invited to teach a class, and that was nearly 10 years ago. So uh, that is me in a nutshell. That's a good nutshell, legend. Um, <laughs> so now, being an FFIR, what do you know about students that you wish every NYU professor knew? 
I really love knowing students outside of the classroom. I, I wish everyone else who you know, is not an FFIR, had that opportunity to speak with students about topics like any topics other than what's going on in the classroom. I, I mean, although, of course, we all know that is a huge part of every student's experience here at NYU, uh, the rest of their life is really, um, really important, too. And I'm, and I'm uh, happy that I get to see kind of the, the whole student, like on, on a holistic uh, level. So I wish everyone had the opportunity to, uh, to see that. Cameron, tell us a little bit about your interaction with RAs and uh, maybe a program or interaction you've had, conversation with an RA that really has changed the way you think of uh, being a faculty in residence, and then any shout outs for any RAs you've worked with during your time. Um, maybe one of my favorite programs was uh, this last year when uh, I hosted a dinner and discussion with uh, Seth Berkman, who's an author and wrote about the uh, North and South Korean women's hockey teams playing together at the Olympic Games. So that I uh, had a number of different RAs help out with that. But I, I almost feel like I don't want to call out or shout out to anyone because every really every RA I've had the chance to work with and Graham has been has been fantastic. I mean, they really make the uh, the position uh, as faculty fellow, one that is just, it's its just so rewarding and collaborative with the RAs. So I i kind of a big shout out to every single uh, RA at, at Graham. Okay, here it is. Tell us about pancakes. So when I interviewed for the FFIR position, I, you know, I was told, oh, you should propose a a food-related program like once a month in your apartment. And I knew uh, Manny, who's also in Graham, was doing uh, hummus and pita. So I thought, oh, I'll do some dessert thing. I'll kind of balance out the savory and sweet. And then I was told, oh, my gosh, you have to do pancakes for dinner. I said, oh, oh okay. Uh, and I, so I happily assumed uh, the responsibility of pancakes for dinner. And it is, uh, it's awesome. Um, people come, usually I do it on a Monday, like the first Monday of the month. And uh, usually it's three RAs and me. And the last, the actually the biggest showing of students was last fall. So fall of 2019, I think the first, uh, the first pancakes of the semester we had in two hours, 120 students <laughs> come through the apartment to eat pancakes. <laughs> and, and, and they're eating like at least two each. So, and some of the guys eat way more than two each. So it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a great time. It, you know, people are able to go out on the on the terrace and see each other and, uh, you know, meet new people and, and have some, I mean, who doesn't love pancakes and pancakes for dinner, I think are kind of a special event. The international house of Cameron Miles. <laughs> I like it. How have you changed as a faculty member? I think I have changed, um, you know, as I, as I mentioned before, I think every faculty fellow sort of is able to see students in a more holistic sense. So when I'm in the classroom and a student is maybe, 
you know, not performing as well as they usually do, or they're maybe a little bit behind in their work. I, I take the time, and I think I did this before, but I really do it, make sure that I do it now to, you know, to dig a little bit deeper and see what's going on and see if there's something, you know, I can do to help or to, you know, facilitate, you know, to, to understand really like what's going on with them uh, as a person and not just a person in my classroom. Well, Cameron, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of your time uh, this evening to talk with us and share your insights and your experiences here at NYU as an FFIR. Please stay safe and thank you for being on. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, Dave. And you guys uh, stay safe, too. It was, uh, it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Thanks, Cameron. Good night, Cameron. Take care. Have a good night. You, too. It is now my pleasure to bring on a person who I believe is one of the great forces in our institution, not just as an FFIR. I'm talking about my friend, Trace Jordan. Trace, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I want you to tell everyone which building you're in, how many years you've been there, and your other various titles and things you do at NYU. Sure. Yes, I'm the faculty fellow in residence a senior house at West 13th Street. I uh, live there with my spouse, Diana, and our two rescue cats, Bindi and Smooch. And when I'm not being an FFIR, I work in the college core curriculum in uh, College of Arts and Science. And what I do is I run the math and science program of the core curriculum. So my job is to get students excited about learning about math and science and how it's relevant to their lives and the world. So, Trace, I feel especially close to you amongst FFIRs because we we were like pledges, like we came in together. We did. Um, we did. We've been both doing it for five years now. That's right. And I remember, like, how we, we, we went to all the first beginning kind of orientation things and, and how we were looking at this and, and what we hoped for. Sure. And now, what do you know now about students being an FFIR that you wish Every NYU professor knew. Yeah, I think that being an FFIR just gives you a different insight into students' lives and experiences. And the realization that students have more complex and interesting and multifaceted lives that we don't normally see when we are spending two and a half hours a week with them in the classroom. So I think it gave me some insight that the part, the part of the student that we see and the person that we see in the classroom is just a, a, a small facet of that student's complete experience. And I was thinking about it. It would be like if students made all their assumptions about me as a professor based on their interaction with me for two and a half hours a week. And, of course, there's more to my life than students see, and there's um, more to students' lives than professors typically see. And so being an FFIR has really given me some insights into that's richness and complexity and um, successes, struggles, challenges that students experience outside the classroom that most professors don't get to see. Trace, I'd be interested to hear a little bit about your interaction with RAs, one of the cornerstones of our community, and how you have partnered with them in terms of programming and any RAs in particular that you want to shout out. Yes. Yeah, so at Senior House, it's a small community. We have around 180 residents. And so we have only four RAs. So it's a very different experience, I think, from many of the larger residence halls. So we're a very, very tight group because it's a very 
small group. We look forward to our Wednesday meetings. There's always a check-in and seeing how everyone is doing. I think if I had to give one shout out, it would be to an RA who's a senior this year. She was also an RA last year, so she was returning. Her name's Lucy Leanne. She is a student at Stern. And uh, I think to this program that we did last Thanksgiving. And as you know, Thanksgiving or other holidays can sometimes be a lonely experience for students, especially if they live far away and they can't travel home and everyone else might be with their families and they can't be with their family. And so Lucy and I partnered on an event for residents for the day after Thanksgiving. She took students to the holiday market and then um, separately, Diana and I went to the farmer's market. We picked up fresh pies. We got made hot apple cider. And then after Lucy had spent her time with the residents, everyone came to our apartment and we ate the pies and drank hot apple cider and just, you know, swapped stories about our lives. So I just thought it was a lovely way to, uh, for me as the FFIR and also for Lucy as the RA to kind of create a home away from home for the residents who, who couldn't be with their families during the Thanksgiving holiday. Trace, as you've, as you've gone on uh, in this journey, what has Demon FFIR taught you about yourself that you perhaps didn't see coming? I think it's taught me that I, I, I always want to be a student. I love being around people and their enthusiasm and their passions and their energy. And I, I find it invigorates me and my own energy and passion. And so uh, there's nothing better than hosting an event in our apartment. Diana and I talking to the resident and someone will talk about a, a movie that they're making or it could be like a new recipe they baked or it could be a research thesis in a lab looking for a you know, new cure for cancer. And I, I just find it so invigorating to be around young People are excited about what they do and their experiences, and, it, and the, it's contagious. So I just don't think – I think I always just want to be around young people. That's that's my realization. You have done some really amazing teaching, but also educating outside the classroom. You've really been one of the leaders in the first-gen movement at NYU. And I'd be interested to hear you talk a little bit about – what you've seen in first-generation college students that um, maybe advice to them or some words of uh, pick-me-up, especially at this time where this is such a strange year. There, there isn't the kind of closure. I, I worry about our first-year first-gen students and not having that kind of routine and really being um, snatched from them. Any thoughts? Yes. Yeah. When I went to college, I was a first-generation student when I didn't really know what the term meant. All I knew is that I didn't kind of fit in. Uh, so I felt uh, other people seemed to know more about the world and what was going on and, and college than I did. So it was always feeling a little bit maybe not quite comfortable in my own skin when I was in college. And I think one of the reasons I've been active in the first-generation community here you is to communicate to students that that's that's a natural thing that's okay we all grow and that's the point of coming to college in terms of advice i would just say that the one thing about first generation students is that they have gotten to nyu through being resourceful and having a lot of grit and determination 
And uh, I can certainly say that for myself. Um, I wasn't necessarily the smartest person in the room, but I worked harder than anyone else. And so I managed to be successful. So I would say to the first generation students who might be struggling, and many of them might be in situations where you also have to help out with their families, they maybe have to help out with business, that the type of grit, determination, perseverance that got them to NYU and got them through the first part of this year, I think will sustain them through these challenges that we're facing. The one thing that first generation students are good at, it's dealing with challenges. So this is one more challenge. It's a difficult one for sure. But I feel like our first generation students will put this down as one more challenge that they'll overcome and persevere and come out the other end being stronger. Outstanding. Great way to end it. Dave, last questions or anything else? No, I just, uh, I, it's, I respect you so much, Trace, and it's just, uh, I could listen to you all night. I really could. Well, it's, it's been nice to go through this together. Yes, in, in, in lockstep. I still remember our orientation, looking at each other <laughs> saying, what, what, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> Being ready for the unexpected. Be getting ready we're, for the unexpected, yeah. We're still fooling them, Trace. We are. We are. Let's keep it up. <laughs> Let's keep it up. Well, Trace, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Hopefully you continue to take care of yourself. And uh, thanks for being with Dave and I this evening. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for the invitation to talk with you tonight. Absolutely. You take care. Right. Good night. Take care, Trace. All right. This this is really my pleasure to bring on the phone right now, Mike Fung from Founders Hall. Mike, how are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Uh, You know, good, all things considering kind of the madness that surrounds us. Yeah. Could you just tell us what building you're an FFIR in and then just the the rest of your kind of official titledom at NYU? Okay. Yeah. So I'm at, I would say the latest and the greatest Founders Hall. I'm proud to be a member uh, as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary in the midst of our 10-year anniversary. I did say this year at the beginning of this year that it would be a year of superlatives. I had no idea it would mean something like this. But nonetheless, um, uh, very proud to be a faculty member in the building, along with uh, Dave Hollander. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, the Dave and Mike uh, crew. And so I'm also a full-time faculty with Steinhardt School of Culture, Education, Human Development, where I uh, run the master's degree program working with graduate students. My official title at the moment is clinical assistant uh, professor, but that will change, I think, first thing in September to associate. So I was just recently promoted to associate. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Mike, you're, you're, you're a standout FFIR and, and a standout educator in, in higher education. And, and I guess the first thing we just want to ask you is how do you, and, and this is a good lesson for many of your students and our, our RAs, how do you overcome adversity when your co-FFIR is such a weak link? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I learned at an early age, you know, you know, one of my, my uh, favorite people, you know, and kind of on earth that I aspire to be is Martin Luther King, right? And, you know, I, I learned from him, like, you know, life is, you know, the world house model where, you know, we're just in an ecosystem. So I understand, like, in our building, like, the weakest person in our building is still indirectly directly, uh, my success and contention on that person, right? So there's a great uh, King quote that I think he says, all men, and I'll help them out, women, are caught in a, a mutual web of inescapability. 
right, tied to a single garment. Uh, so what impacts one directly impacts another indirectly. So I think this is true in terms of just the ecosystem and founders. I mean, I really obviously don't think there is a, a missing link, but I do think we all have, I'm not a missing link, weekly, but I, I do think we all have our uh, different strengths that we bring to our ecosystem, right? And so each individual, whether it's a student, an RA, someone from the BLT, or we have uh, the Ellett family, everyone brings a level of expertise and value to the building and an important contribution. So, you know, I'm one piece of an amazing cog. Uh, and so, I, you know, I embrace that. And so, and and, and from time to time, my um, co-FFIR, uh, we do some good work together as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate you lifting me up every day. And, you know, it is a unique community. You're right. Being an FFIR, what do you know about students now that you wish every professor at NYU knew? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And I just shared with my students just on we had a community gathering. It's our second one with our uh, community of scholars and learning uh, community. And so I feel like it's very interesting, like a lot of the discourse around uh, let's just say millennials and um, Gen Z has, I thought they really got a bad rap around a number of things. One was, I think folks felt like, you know, I mean, there's language of snowflake. I don't think that's discourse in the academy, but perhaps overly sensitive uh, generation. And for me, from what I'm really learning and have learned from this generation is like uh, the importance of being mindful and attuned to issues around wellness and well-being mm-hmm. and work-life balance, right? And I think like in this moment, how how that is just like really a very immediate reminder of how important it is to be uh, really uh, mindful of our own well-being, right? Particularly in this time of crisis. The other thing I think that folks really created a narrative around this generation is that they they prioritize social media or they prioritize technology. And so what better generation to be at the nexus of a transition from perhaps like long time ways about thinking and doing things to new, more innovative ways of doing and thinking about how we do this work, right? And so they're at the precipice of it. And I think this generation is the most equipped so even as we immediately move remotely, you know, I had to move remotely even with my students in terms of our, our recruitment process. I mean, it's like snapping fingers. It just happened very seamlessly. And so I thought it was more challenging for my generation, Generation X, generation before me. And this, with this particular generation, I think they just, they add a lot of value to the work we do. And I think in a lot of ways, we're going to be looking to them in terms of how we're going to head in a new direction. Uh, and embrace new ways of doing things in terms of how we operate in higher ed. Mike, you make such a good point, and I have been in such an awe of you as as a facilitator, as an educator, uh, and had the opportunity to co-facilitate a process with you this year. Can you talk a little bit about what you think are the most important values or characteristics that RAs need to have to be most successful in this day and age? Yeah, I think RAs are kind of indicative of what we need from leadership in general. So not just only being leaders amongst peers, but just kind of how do you exemplify leadership? A couple of things that come to mind for me is uh, adaptability, flexibility, compassion, someone who is willing to lead with their ears, right? And so, you know, I think of 
one of my social justice civil rights heroes is Ella Baker. And like, so Ella Baker wasn't being interested in being a leader as much as she was interested in developing leadership in others. And so I think, you know, for the qualities on RA are just essentially that, like, how are they thinking about how they can best serve the residents and create a community for their residents that may not be necessarily what they think is the best way of doing things, but have an understanding based on getting feedback from others and then adapting based on the feedback that they receive. So I know they all do like base meetings, for instance. So we need RAs that are able to kind of weave those different needs within that they find within their community and create an environment that works for not just a few students, but is like, you know, really practicing it inclusively. One that reaches all students, it, it reaches the introverts as well as the extroverts. It is mindful of like uh, universal design. So in terms of issues around accessibility and affordability. So, you know, thoughtful leadership, inclusive leadership. Uh, and then just folks, you know, and, and again, I, it just, Words like I, I don't think I don't think they get used enough. Like, uh, but words like compassion, empathy, I think those are really important um, uh, soft skills <laughs> uh, to have. And so I think those those are really important. Of course, I think there's a, no, a number of other skills that are useful. But I think you know, in terms of really being able to listen to the needs of the population of peers and folks you're working with, I think is really uh, critical in the work. Mike, just listening to you talk about uh, what you just talked about, you know, leadership development uh, among students and, and, and RAs, you know, it's a lesson, but you're an expert in higher education and here you are inside of it, kind of life imitating your art. What about being in this role, FFIR, has surprised you, something you about yourself you never saw coming? I think I'm... Um... I feel younger than my actual age. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. So it, it's interesting. One thing that's really happening is, I you know, I think there's a tendency to think as one ages, the, the more disconnected they'll be from younger people. And there's something I really felt was peculiar, peculiar with this even general, uh, this actually first year cadre of students. So like, I found myself uh, really connecting with there's particularly some young men in the building, Rami, I mean, for, for one, and his, his crew. Um, and so they, you know, through music, right, intergenerationally, we had a lot of similar passion around music and the value of music and the importance of weaponizing music um, to serve like social justice or human rights agendas, right? So one of the things I've learned from 18 years old is, you know, I think about an ocean and there's different streams of water, rivers, creeks, right? Channels to lead lakes to lead to oceans. But ultimately we all kind of have the same goal in mind, right? In terms of we're all seeking the same thing. And so I felt like there's a real interconnectedness intergenerationally that surprised me, right? That I thought it was going to be difficult or I would lose touch with kind of the younger generation. And so I don't think we're that far uh, apart removed from one another and how we think about and see the world. So that, that was uh, one thing I've learned. And then I also just think, I mean, I think at different institutional type in schools, but I just like our, our students are just such doers. 
And so in some ways, like, you know, I've, I've embraced this where I've always said that, you know, you people should have, you know, mentors and woman tours. You have a peer mentor, woman tour who kind of inspires you and pushes you along and you kind of are on the same path and kind of close uh, in terms of attaining your life goals. And then someone who might be three to five years ahead of you, just kind of beyond reach of where you're at. And then you need to have a mentor, a woman tour that's kind of like that big dream. Um, goal that you have that you might even see yourself is almost unattainable, but somehow you want to just to get a glimpse of their life and uh, benefit from that. But I've also learned like you actually need mentors and women tours younger than you, right? Mm. And so I'm finding that in the RAs in a lot of ways where I can just like sit and learn from them, learn from their perspectives and insights and value that. Like it doesn't need to go like vertically up, right? It can also age-wise, it can also go down uh, with younger people, right? And so I think that's something that I've really like embraced that perspective. Like, you know, now I have millennial generation Z, uh, women tours and mentors. Mike, uh, in our last question, do you, do you have any RAs that uh, you've had some really particularly good conversations or worked programs with that really engage the students? Yes. I mean, I, I would think it's just different time, different place. I mean, and seeing uh, different RAs and different leadership roles. So like like Danielle, seeing her leadership role and kind of the council, the RA council that we created, right? And seeing how she was essentially a voice for her peers and had a really balanced perspective in terms of, you know, I think you're holding an administrator's perspective, student's perspective, faculty perspective, RA's perspectives. And so... You know, just kind of witnessing her in action and that role was really uh, powerful for some of our RAs in the building. Destiny and I, you know, I just got off, the, uh, checked in with Destiny and had a conversation with her. I mean, Destiny is also like a number of the build, uh, our RAs, a number of years. I just talked to Destiny, Yumi. Um, I reached out to Ashley, um, folks who have actually watched my child. I mean, clearly I have an investment in them in a particular way if we're going to put the, hand, the life of our child, right, in their hands and in their care. And so, you know, with Destiny, we've done a lot of great work because we do floor programming. So a lot of times she'll make cookies and she'll invite, have her floor meetings where the residents of our floor just come and we break bread together that way. Many times when I do um, coloring and beats with Ronan, you know, it, whether RAs are on rounds, Anna Grace, I mean, a number of folks just stop by and show love. I mean, actually, there's countless folks. I mean, you know, I think of Millie. And then, you know, there were big, like, kind of more of my kind of let's get off of campus uh, program. So, you know, Sterling and Peter came to me uh, and joined me for a showtime at the Apollo. And that was great. Destiny came and she brought a crew as well. So, you know, and, and these are students who, you know, RAs that they're not necessarily have to be there programmatically. That's not part of their obligation or requirement, but just to support me and the programs that I'm doing. And then Dave and I, when we uh, do DNM productions, whether it was, um, and Dave, I mean, I think of how many RAs that we had come when we did the um, the jazz and ping pong. Yeah. I'll tell you, you're making me cry. I mean, I'm thinking about these guys and yeah, it's amazing, just the faces. Right. So, I mean, I, countless RAs that showed up just for various reasons throughout the semester. So, 
that, that you know it's just been really cool so sh- shout out to all the founders RAs, seeing how they show up in different capacities whether it's through um the violet editions and then performing mike we would really want to thank you for being on tonight's episode and uh continued great health for you and your family we look forward to seeing you back in founders soon no appreciate yeah yeah uh hopefully like real soon looking for the next uh courtyard cookout which was due this sunday we were going to have one this sunday so you know still grieving about that but also excited about next uh year your spirit is here my friend it is here happy 420 gentlemen thank you (laughs) dave thanks so much for being my sidekick for these past three episodes i have greatly enjoyed you being there with me well, thank you for making it so easy. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we, we heard a lot of things, didn't we? We did. We did. Uh, and, and I really especially liked, uh, well, I love them all, but hearing uh, your sidekick, uh, Mike Funk, uh, and, the, and you kind of kid, but such a respect you have for each other and the work that you do. It's so evident just seeing the two of you together uh, with your families. Uh, what a great role model the two of you are for the students who live in Founders Hall. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I you know, I, I won the lottery uh, when Mike Funk got here and his family. And yeah, we, it's, a, it's a special, special bond that we have. And uh, uh, our children will will be bonded in, in, a, in an incredible way for life. And, and you live in this building with us. Uh, and so we have such a special relationship with you and Gladys and your sons. And it's it's hard to put into words what we know about each other and, and, and just the great life we're, we're having. Absolutely. And we look forward to having you and your family up this year at our, our special place far up north. And special shout out to uh, Paula, Dave, and Jerry, who also make uh, Founders such a special place to live. They're amazing. They are. They're, they're, they're our family. They are our family. Uh, so we're very blessed. Uh, and so have I been the last two years of doing Where Are I Now? I want to thank all of the listeners who have listened over the past two years. Special thanks to my engineer, Jennifer Sanchez, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasang. If you like the show, look for more content on the NYU RA alumni website at where-ra-now.webflow.io. Until next time, we look forward to a wonderful, restful summer. Please all be healthy. Thank you, healthcare workers, and thank you, RAs. We look forward to having you back in the fall. Take care.